You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hello, everyone. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. We are on episode number 41. Yep, and this week we are going to be doing a little comparison and kind of breaking down the differences between millennials and baby boomers. Yes, between millennials and baby boomers, we felt like this was a good cultural episode because there are definitely cultural differences between millennials and baby boomers. Although there might not be international cultural differences, they are still very interesting. Yeah, and they're definitely timeline. Yeah. They're cultures of time. Yeah. Zeitgeist kind of things. Yeah. I mean, there are always cultural differences between different generations, but this one gets a lot of attention. Definitely, yeah. You're a millennial, right? Yep. Yeah. Rachel and I are both millennials. Yeah, and it's been really interesting to watch the evolution of the way millennials get criticized. Yeah. They definitely get hated on a lot. Yeah, that's so true. And before we get too defensive or anything, we'll explain why. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll have fun with it. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah. So first, we thought we would warm up with some clapbacks. If you don't know what a clapback is, it's basically like being sassy a lot of times. Yes, sassy comebacks. Comebacks, yeah. So these are clapbacks of millennials against baby boomers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So we'll, just to warm up, we'll look at a couple of those. Yeah. Then we'll go ahead and define how they're broken down and also some typical characteristics of each generation. And then we are going to kind of take a quick look at the way millennials alone differ among cultures around the world. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is a huge group of people, the millennial generation, That doesn't mean that there's just one culture of millennials. So we tried to find some interesting stuff about millennials in Europe and Asia and Africa and South America as well. Yeah. So first we have some language news. Of course. Can't forget the language news. (laughs) This week, our language news is from Culture Trip, and it's called the 10 oldest languages still spoken in the world today. So this is a really fun listicle. Do we call it a listicle? Listicle? What's a listicle? (laughs) It's like a popsicle, but it's a list. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of that. You've never heard listicle? It's like like clickable content, I guess. That's in list form. It's an article that's in list form. Yeah, basically. Oh, it's not from Popsicle. It's from Article. (laughs) That makes way less sense. I was always like, that's weird that they called it a listicle, because listicle sounds like Popsicle. (laughs) Rachel, you just solved it for me in two seconds. And I think it would be list sickle if it was popsicle. You know, you know what? I'm not gonna question my own logic. <laughs> it's gotten me this far in my life. Oh wow, that was funny. Uh. 
That just reminded me of one of my friends. She was... <laughs> she asked me if I had seen this post on <laughs> on the doo-doo. The dodo. On the oh, doo-doo? no! I was like, the what? <laughs> oh, no! And she was like, the doo-doo, you know? Oh, and come it's got, on! like, a picture of, the bir- of a bird, and I was like, do you mean the dodo and, like, the bird, the dodo? She was like, oh, my God, that's so embarrassing. I've never said it out loud before. I just always <laughs> pronounced it in my head like doo-doo. <laughs> that's a really good lost in translation moment. <laughs> like an internet lost in translation moment. Yeah. Okay, so we have a listicle, which is an article in list form, apparently. And um, here we, we're going to learn about 10 of the world's oldest languages. And there's a nice little introduction that explains that languages do not change overnight. So it's not like, you know, if you want to go back and listen to our episode about the evolution of English, parts one and two. I believe it's episodes 16 and 19. We might have a part three coming soon. We haven't decided. But, (laughs) you know, it's not like we had Beowulf and then we had Shakespeare, right? There was a lot of time in between and nobody woke up one morning and was like, I'm going to totally change this language. So we have these languages that have seen some change, but have changed much more slowly, basically, than the average language changes. Yeah. For one reason or another. Cool. So the first one, Hebrew, not surprising, Mm. especially since it was revitalized in the last century. That's so crazy. (laughs) It's super cool, right? Like that's like if we revitalized, I don't know, Latin. Yeah. Or something or ancient Greek. It became the official language of Israel. It's very cool. Yeah. And so that really helped it, Mm -hmm. obviously. And it does have some influence from Yiddish now in the modern language. So it's not the same as ancient Hebrew, but they can still understand texts. They can fully comprehend what's written in the Old Testament and its connected texts. Right, exactly. That's insane. Uh, The next language we have is Basque, which if you haven't heard of Basque... Basque is like one of the coolest languages because it's an it's a language isolate. Nobody's really sure where it comes from. Linguists over the last three decades have been trying to figure it out, but they just they haven't done it. They've been trying to do it for 30 years and they still don't know. But what we do know about Basque is that it existed before the arrival of the Romance languages. So before the Romans got to Spain with Latin that would eventually develop into French and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Basque was already there. So crazy. I feel like we talk about Basque like every other week, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's just so interesting. Yeah, maybe we need to do an episode on Basque sometime. I think so, too. Yeah. So the next one is Tamil, mm-hmm. which is spoken by about 78 million people, and it's the official language of Sri Lanka and Singapore. And it's the only classical language that has survived all the way to the modern world. Hmm. That's interesting. So, like, I guess that means it was around during, like, ancient Greece? Yeah, it said that they found inscriptions dating back to the 3rd century BCE. 
Jesus. <laughs> Not even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the written form of Tamil Tamil is gorgeous. It's kind of, it's like very loopy. Oh, okay. Anyway, cool. I hear Sri Lanka is a beautiful place to go, by the way. Yeah. People go there for vacation here all the time. Yeah. Cool. Have to check it out. The next one we have is Lithuanian, which is another, I mean, these are all super interesting, right? But Lithuanian is so crazy because a lot of languages started branching off around 3500 BC from Indo-European. But Lithuanian retained more features of Proto-Indo-European, which was spoken around 3500 BC. So... Lithuanian kept more of the sounds and grammar rules from Proto-Indo-European than any of its linguistic cousins. So, And Indo-European languages are most of the languages in that come from Europe. So German, okay. Italian, English are all part of that family as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, the next one is Farsi. So that's also known as Persian which is spoken in Iran, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan, and some other places as well. And it's a direct descendant of Old Persian, which was the language of the Persian Empire. And modern Persian has been in its current form since about 800 CE or AD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so speakers of Persian can take up a piece of writing from 900 CE and read it much more easily than somebody like the and modern English speaker could read Shakespeare, for example. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Does it remind you of Icelandic? It does remind me of Icelandic. <laughs> it reminds me of Icelandic too, which is the next language on this list. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we actually dedicated an entire episode to Icelandic, which was very n- language nerdy of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved that. <laughs> research it was so cool it's definitely a rabbit hole it's so interesting so icelandic is a language that they have really really tried to keep to their roots with Mm -hmm. any kind of new concepts they use old old words for them so they actually have a committee that develops new words that would otherwise maybe be taken from english and other languages icelandic's like nah we're gonna use our own old words and concepts so yeah. the result is that most Icelanders can, like, understand text from very long time ago. Yeah, it's been really isolated. Yeah. It's an Indo-European language as well from the West Germanic branch. Mm-hmm. So a modern Icelander could read the sagas from the 800s and easily understand them. That's so crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. Next is Macedonian, which is a Slavic language. So other Slavic languages would be something like Russian or Czech. And it had an ancestor, Common Slavic, which is now used as a standardized language called Old Church Slavonic. Mm -hmm. So the Cyril and Methodius standardized the language. And that's what's called Old Church Slavonic. And then they took it north with them to somewhere a little bit north of Greece, which is now Macedonia. Mm -hmm. And the language that is there is very closely related to Old Church Slavonic. And so all of that took place in the 9th century, which is to say 
it's pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's still around. Yeah. Macedonian? Mm-hmm. Do people speak Macedonian? Yeah. I've been to Macedonia. Oh. I've sung in Macedonian, actually. That's so cool, Rachel. <laughs> Did you like Macedonia? Yeah, but it was amazing. It was very similar to Greece, actually. Mm-hmm. And they have great wine, and mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. Cool. I recommend it. Nice. Yeah, It's was that on your Baltics trip? Balkans, yeah. Thank you. That's why I can't find anything about the Baltics. <laughs> That's very commonly mistaken. I only know that because I've been to the Balkans. Yeah. I've been to the Balkans like a thousand times more than I've said Baltics. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, the next one we have is Finnish. And Finnish, like most languages, has a very, very long history. But it wasn't written down until the 16th century. So it's in the same group of languages as Estonian, Hungarian, and other languages spoken by minority groups in Siberia. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about Finnish, you might have heard that it's a very, very difficult language. It has, like, so many consonants together. Um, (laughs) And Hungarian is also notoriously difficult. On the hierarchy of languages that are easier and more difficult to learn. Hungarian's definitely up there mm-hmm. among the top languages on the list. So Finnish has a lot of loan words, which is nice if you have ever tried to learn a language that doesn't use loan words. Yeah. <laughs> but they tried to change their loan words closer to their own form, how they mm-hmm. would say it. So they have the word for mother, Aiti, comes from Gothic. Crazy. Yeah, that is really interesting. I don't even know anything about the Gothic language. I'm learning so much about languages that I don't know anything about right now. Yeah. And the word for king, kuningas, comes from the old Germanic word kuningas, which also no longer exists in any German language. So it's very, that kind of shows you like how far back Finnish goes. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So the next one is Georgian, which is in the Caucasus region. The three languages of the three South Caucasian countries, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia, come from three entirely different language families. That's That's so unfair. Right? Like, I mean, I guess that would have been an area of a lot of probably conflict, Mm, seeing that. Definitely, yeah. So they have Indo-European, Turkic, and Kartvelian. Mm -hmm. And Georgian is the biggest Kartvelian language and is the only one with an ancient literary tradition. Hmm. The only Caucasian language with an ancient literary tradition. Huh. So they also think that their alphabet was adapted from Aramaic as far back as the 3rd century. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> Aramaic. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, one more. We have Irish Gaelic. Now, We've talked about Irish Gaelic before a few times, actually, because it's really interesting. People confuse Irish and Gaelic with each other, but Irish is actually its own language, and I guess it's also sometimes called Irish Gaelic? Yeah. So Irish, or Irish Gaelic, is spoken by a very small minority of Irish people, but actually the language itself has a long history. It's a member of the Celtic branch of Indo-European languages, Mm-hmm. And it was in Great Britain a long time before the Germanic influences arrived, so the Anglo-Saxons. But 
They developed their own writing system. While the rest of Europe was speaking in their own languages and writing in Latin, the Irish wrote their own language. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. We got to do an episode on Irish Gaelic, too. I think we that was on our to-do list. Damn, yeah. we have so many I- language episodes that need to be done. So many. <laughs> so, should we dive into our main topic, then? Yes. That was fascinating language news, but it's time to move on. Yeah, we're going to talk about millennials versus baby boomers. So first, let's do our clapbacks. Clapbacks. From millennials to baby boomers. Can I read the first one? Because I love it. Please. Okay. So this is from, I think it's from Reddit. Mm -hmm. So it says, fun statistics for adults. Quote, when I was a kid, I had no help with college tuition. I was hard working and paid it all myself. So this is obviously said by a baby boomer. And then some statistics. Annual tuition for Yale, 1970, $2,550. Annual tuition for Yale, 2014, $45,800. Minimum wage, 1970, $1.45. Minimum wage, 2014, $7.25. Daily hours at minimum wage needed to pay for tuition in 1970, 4.8. Daily hours at minimum wage needed to pay for tuition in 2014, 17.3. <laughs> so basically, if you're working in a minimum wage job and you need to pay for annual tuition at Yale, you have time to work minimum wage and sleep. And that's it. <laughs> Today. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you can find a pill that makes you not have to sleep anymore, and that's the time that you can go to school with your leftover hours. Right. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure whoever invents that pill someday is going to be real rich. Mm-hmm. This next one. I love baby boomers who say, kids don't even know how to write cursive in a negative way. Like, okay, grandma, you can't even turn your laptop on without getting six viruses and wiring half your retirement money to a Nigerian prince. (laughs) I like this one. This is from Tumblr. Somebody says, TV show idea. Baby boomers have to switch life situations with a millennial for a year. The millennial gets to live in their house, which they paid off like 30 or 40 years ago, and work at their job that provides a good salary and benefits. The baby boomer has to live in the millennial's shitty, overpriced apartment and struggle to pay rent and work a minimum wage part-time job, as well as an unpaid internship in their, the baby boomer's, field. (sighs) The show can be called Switching Cribs, and every time the baby boomer throws a tantrum, a little cartoon of a baby crying appears in the corner of the screen. (laughs) And then somebody responded, fund it. And then somebody else said, with what money? I'm a millennial. Aww. Baby boomers blame millennials for everything, but who put carpet over all these hardwood floors, Patricia? (laughs) (laughs) And millennials killed department stores. Baby boomers killed the polar bears, but right, right, right. My deepest apologies to (laughs) JCPenney. That's so good. (laughs) This one's kind of relevant. Baby boomer. Why are there holes in your jeans? You rip those yourself? Me. Why are there holes in the ozone? You rip those yourself? <laughs> I love that one. That's accurate. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I heard something really, really, like a great way to put this into perspective. I think within the last two years or so, when a millennial hears thank you, the appropriate response is no problem. Because it's like saying, oh, it's not a problem. I did something for you. Mm -hmm. You are entitled to my help. And I want to show you that I care by saying, you know, no problem. It's not a bother. Mm -hmm. And if we hear you're welcome, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you go out of your way for me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're welcome is kind of, it's used more sarcastically among millennials. Like, you're welcome. Like, thanks for saying thank you. Not... Whereas when baby boomers hear you're welcome, it's like, yes, I went out of my way for you, but you deserve it because I care about you. So you're welcome for me doing this thing for you. Yeah. And no problem is not as polite as we perceive it to be. Right. Okay. I think it's similar to like no problem, no worries. Right. So what are these generations? Yes. Let's define them. There is some discrepancy, the years, but more or less, baby boomers are born between 1946 and 1964. Uh-huh. And millennials, they have recently changed the exact dates for various reasons, which we can get into. But 1981 to about 1996. Yeah, so something that millennials have really been affected by has been the economic downturn of 2008 to 2010. Yeah. Depending on which continent you're on. It kind of resulted in something that is being called a slow start to the careers of millennials. And researchers predict it's going to be a factor in American society for decades, which I can totally see. Yeah. And a lot of the millennials were either just entering the workforce at that time or about to go into college like I was. Yeah, I graduated college in 2010. Okay, so you were like in college at the beginning of it. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so a lot of people struggled with maybe even going to college because of the crisis or because of the recession. Mm -hmm. And so that will drastically change their life course that otherwise maybe they would have gone. Yeah, I think so. Another big change for millennials in our lives has been technology. So post-millennial members, uh, which would be people born after 1996, right? They would have been 10 when the iPhone was introduced into the market or younger. And they, they're very, very in touch with technology and they can figure things out very, very quickly. Whereas millennials, we can figure things out quickly, but we still have the memories of landlines and touch tones and rotary phones we definitely had rotary phones yeah too. we had to an extent uh they were still a little vintage i think by that point but yeah definitely landlines and the do you remember the dial tone for when you wanted to get on the internet it was like <laughs> and it'd be like okay let's go make some tea while we wait for this website to load <laughs> Patrice, get off the internet. I have to make a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we do have... I missed a phone call. We have those memories, but more or less we're digital natives as well. Yeah. Also, another defining factor, at least in the United States, 
would have been 9-11. I think why they wanted to change the cutoff to 1996 is because those born before 1996 would have had a memory of 9-11 and would have been able to remember it more likely than a Mm. three-year-old or four-year-old. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember it very well. Yeah, I do too. I didn't realize that that's why they changed the cutoff. Yeah. Like that was a defining moment. It's definitely true. Yeah, so a lot of times, obviously, these cutoff points, they're not an exact science, but they are kind of based on things that will change a generation. Mm -hmm. And that one obviously is specific to the United States. So it's contextual as well by country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some different traits that baby boomers and millennials are known for? Let's talk about baby boomers for a minute because we've talked a lot about millennials. Yeah. Baby boomers were born like the mid-40s to the mid-60s, and they were a result of increased birth rates after the Second World War. Their main traits are being work-centric, extremely hardworking, motivated by position and status and perks and prestige. Yeah, and baby boomers, I mean, they worked really hard to get to where they are now, so... That's kind of one reason why stereotypically they give millennials a lot of flack for wanting more in life besides work, Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, do you think you're better than me? I think that's kind of the feeling I get. Like, I sacrificed and worked hard to, like, make my life what it is. Like, like you should pay your dues, basically, millennials. Definitely. That's one of the main things that baby boomers think is that we should be paying our dues. And that's one of their main characteristics. They had to pay their dues. Right. And that was definitely the cultural norm at the time. You had to work a long time or a few years at a company before you would really get to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, like from my perspective... People worked that hard because they didn't have that much of a choice, Mm -hmm. and that's what they knew. And I mean, people still work really hard. Everybody works hard. I work hard. You work hard. Just like, I I think millennials have so many choices now, whereas baby boomers, they had kind of one track that they grew up knowing about, you know? Right. And part of that is the digital age that we live in. Definitely. And there are a lot more opportunities and a lot more ways of working right so baby boomers did have a lot of turbulence in the time that they would have been growing up so that would have been the cold war the cuban missile crisis the assassinations of president kennedy and martin luther king jr the civil rights movement also sort of the start of the environmental movement so there was a lot a lot happening this was hippies and yeah It's not like they didn't have anything to to deal with themselves. Right. And then our generation is defined a lot by technology, as we said. Mm -hmm. And connectivity. And some historical events like the economic downturn and uh, September 11th. And yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting, though, kind of the core values of each of these groups, because it Mm -hmm. leads to a lot of insight into both. Yeah. So the boomers, they're anti-war, anti-government, kind of the stars are the limit, equal rights, equal opportunities, personal growth, 
question authority and question everything yeah work and they wanted to make a difference in the world so this makes a lot of sense at the time that they were formed huh that is really interesting so these are core values that baby boomers had in their primes or these are the traits that a lot of them still possess, I would imagine. They're kind of maybe the ones who haven't changed, like old hippies, you know. But <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, because I'm like, yeah, I can definitely think of some baby boomers who feel this way. Anti-war, anything's possible, equal rights, equal opportunity, want to make a difference, personal growth, personal gratification, and optimism. And then on the other hand, I can think of baby boomers who are not like that at all. <laughs> right. Well, there's a difference throughout the generation. I mean, not everyone has the same values, but these are the defining values of the most people. Okay. Like maybe not every person has every value, but right. those go along a lot with that generation. So millennials, what are their core values? Millennials, we have achievement. Millennials are avid consumers. We have a civic duty, confidence, diversity, extreme fun. And then fun, with an exclamation point. <laughs> high morals, highly tolerant, very competitive. People who like personal attention and, so and are self-confident and sociability, those definitely go along with selfie culture that mm -hmm. is very stereotypical of millennials. Millennials are members of a global community. Totally relate to that. <laughs> and extremely tech-savvy and spiritual. We're about the now and optimistic but realistic, and apparently millennials also have street smarts. Mm -hmm. Also the most educated generation. Yeah. And all of these things point to some friction when it comes to interactions and perception of one of the other. So you were saying baby boomers think millennials are lazy or are mm. self-involved or a really common one is... They shouldn't be buying stupid things. Yeah. Or they're, yes, self-absorbed, like you said, just want to, like, have good pictures of themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, millennials are often very hardworking and are often not compensated the way they would have been in the historical context of the baby boomers. Yeah. And so that is perceived as either not working hard because they're not earning very much or... Yeah, no, I mean, like, the economy has changed so much, especially in the States. I mean, it's changed so much dramatically all over the world. And the result has been that millennials, we often work very hard for very different results than from that of what our forebearers had. Mm -hmm. Like in the US, very, very few jobs come with great benefits unless you work in a major corporation. But yeah, like if you work for a small company or if you're in the gig economy, you don't have things that can really improve your life like health insurance or, mm -hmm. or the cost of living is so high all over the States. And I mean, I could go on and on about that. But the point is that I think baby boomers kind of look at the gig economy and really low-wage jobs, and they say, you know, he should get a real job, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, but this is a real job. What was what was flipping burgers in your day? It was like the equivalent of $22 an hour today. Yeah. If minimum wage had kept up with inflation, so... Yeah, it's also, I think, that 
because the economy has changed so much and the way of working, for example, the gig economy, or for example, unpaid internships, or working from home, working from home, working as a digital nomad, which we've talked about before, those are all seen as either not serious, or the easy way out or kind of lazy. Yeah. When in reality, they might be working just as hard, just in a different way. Yeah. And so I think that not seeing that as valuable or as useful, I think that is damaging to the relationship between baby boomers and millennials. Man, you're so eloquent. (laughs) Well said. Thank you. And equally, I think that millennials' perception of baby boomers as this kind of like rigid... 60-hour work week. Yeah, overworking and things. I think the lack of respect for that and also the wanting to have everything kind of easily, or not necessarily easily, but sort of the different value of, I don't want to work 60 hours a week. I'm not willing to put in my dues, let's say. Yeah. But that seems, I'm sure, unfair to baby boomers who have done that and have worked a long time and expect that the next generation will also do that. Yeah, very true. I think part of my experience as a millennial is learning that nothing is permanent, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, but, you know, both of our parents got divorced mm-hmm. and... We both went through 9-11 and the economic downturn, and we've both lived abroad. And also my, my own health problems have affected me like in this way. And like I mentioned, health insurance in the States, like I know that I could die anytime or like the world could be turned upside down anytime. We know that we have this big challenge of climate change looming, and we've seen the world change before our eyes so quickly. Mm-hmm. that I think being a millennial also means understanding that we need to value what we have today because it could be gone tomorrow. Totally. Super well said as well. I think that's also a really key aspect, though, of the millennial outlook on the world. People th- imagine either jobs or houses or uh, maybe even friendships as much more transient than prior generations. You hear the phrase settling down. That's an old expression, which I don't know if it's super relevant anymore. Mm. People are a lot more mobile and changing jobs more quickly. And yeah, that's totally true. I thought one thing that was really interesting was it was actually the CEO of Lofty was talking about the relationship between baby boomers and millennials and kind of how to foster that so it's productive for both in a professional way. So basically, they were saying that millennials are more interested in the now because there has been such economic volatility, let's say, and they might lose their job or they might get fired well, something along those lines. And so they're not at a job for the long haul in their minds. They're there to see what they can get now, what skills they can develop and relationships they can make now. Yeah. And that's totally relevant. Yeah, definitely. A job was used to be seen as something that was stability, something that was you're working for life at one company to get your pension or something like that. Pension. Uh, so, <laughs> so antiquated that term. Like, yeah. It's like, will that ever happen? 
Our moms are listening to this going, no. Well, Rachel did a lot of the research for this week's episode, and if you're interested in learning more about millennials versus baby boomers, I highly recommend you go check out our show notes on this. There are a lot of really interesting metrics on the topic of, you know, what millennials bring in now versus what baby boomers brought in when they were around our age, and... I have a lot of opinions on the topic. And it's, I don't think that baby boomers have ruined my life. It's not a sour point for me. I think it's just, it's a very fascinating thing to see the differences in the generations and how we're faced with the different challenges mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what's coming next. I think climate change is just really big and it's going to be something that we're on the front lines of mm-hmm. when we're the age of baby boomers. Assuming people in legislation are still older when that happens, we're going to be about that age when it really, really is a problem um, if it doesn't come before that. Yeah. So millennials have a lot that I think we're aware of, more aware of than we're given credit for. Yeah. Okay, so let's then take a look at some millennials in different areas of the world. Yes, I tried to kind of find a commonality among millennials around the world. And basically what I found was number one thing about millennials that's different from all of the generations before us is that we are extremely connected. (laughs) Um, That's pretty much what all of the articles said about millennials is everybody is connected over social media and that's how people get their shopping done and you know, all of the new trends and markets need to go toward mobile because that's how people consume information as well as consume material and non-material possessions. But the other thing about millennials is that we try to use our connection powers for good. Mm-hmm. So looking at European millennials, they have also gone through a, an economic crisis since 2008. Ever since the economic crisis, Europeans, they don't feel like things have improved at all. And I think they're probably right. So there's just been a lot of stagnation in the economy. And European millennials are pretty pessimistic about what's happening next. They're still reporting high life satisfaction. But yeah, they're not happy about where their countries are going overall. And this is interesting. 6% of young Greeks and 7% of Spaniards ages 18 to 33 are satisfied with the direction of their country. Yeah. (laughs) That's real low right there. It is. Probably has something to do with the fact that millennials are the most educated generation and they see what's happening and they're like, wait, but the world's going to end in 12 years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's probably a hard thing to measure, but yeah, it says something. (laughs) Yeah. Looking at Asian millennials, which is by far the biggest population of millennials in the world, 58% of millennials are Asian. Wow. And here we're talking about South Asia, East Asia, Northeast Asia, like Southeast Asia. So it's a big, big group of people, but we're talking about both India and China, which is where the majority of them are. But it's over a billion people. Wow. Are Asian millennials. Millennials in Asia are generally bigger consumers than those in uh, Europe and the U.S. They're a little bit more materialistic. That has to do with developing economies. Yeah. 
their parents came from, in a lot of cases, much poorer circumstances mm -hmm. by comparison. And so they've witnessed very, very quick economic improvement. So they are keen to display their status and wealth with luxury brands. Yeah. Whereas I feel in a lot of ways in Europe and the US, it's kind of moving the, in the opposite direction. Yeah, definitely. People are willing to spend money on ethically sourced items as well as high quality. Yeah. But definitely the majority of millennials in the States and Europe, I think, are not quite as concerned with flashing their wealth yeah. as much. True. In Korea, that was something I noticed. Like, somebody would say, oh, I like your dress. Like, a Korean friend would say that. And I would be like, oh, thanks. It was like $12. And they'd be like, that's kind of weird that you told me that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> like, you want people to think you have money. Right. So this is really interesting, this comparison of developed countries versus developing countries millennials. Uh -huh. And just to that point, in developing countries, this is the wealthiest generation their country has seen, whereas in developed country is probably much poorer than their parents. That's so crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Africa, millennials are using technology as much as possible to change the rules of engagement, basically. So there was a hashtag that was trending in South Africa called Fees Must Fall. Did you hear about this? No. It was a student-led protest movement that started around mid-October in South Africa, and they wanted to stop increases in student fees as well as to increase government funding of universities. So... Just like in the States, people use hashtags to promote social movements. There was another one called hashtag someone tell CNN, I think. <laughs> so they're trying to like, you know, Africa is notorious for being kind of a mess because of colonialism, yeah. which is totally not their fault. <laughs> so millennials in Africa are working really hard to overcome their circumstances and through connectivity, build their situation and kind of catch up. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't talk about Africa a lot on the podcast, mostly because we often don't find a lot of information about our topics. We do look for it, but unfortunately, I think there just isn't a lot of English language stuff on the internet. Yeah. But millennials in Africa are often referred to as Afrolennials. Huh. And so this article says... They're first-generation middle class, so they're actively playing asset catch-up. Interesting. Yeah, Afrolennials. And then, finally, looking at Latin American millennials, most of the articles I read had to do with them being a very, very mobile-centered market. Mm -hmm. And most of the stuff online was like, do you want to do business in Latin America? You have to chat, you have to target the mobile market and the growing middle class in Latin America. So mm. yeah, there's a huge untapped market in Latin America of millennials who are trying to get to a position where they can spend more. Yeah. And they're using their phones. Yeah. And that's a common theme everywhere. Everyone's using their phones. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, we're all very connected. Yep. I, I do really like how connected we are. I love, I mean, if you didn't know, if you missed our intro, Rachel's in Spain. I, Patrice, am in China. And here we are Skyping. We've been doing this for 41 episodes now. Yeah. It's so amazing. Yeah. 
It's really cool. And then on Sundays, I meet with my teacher group. And there are people in Santiago, Chile. There are people in Cambodia and Japan and some in Europe. And we all meet together on Sundays. (laughs) It's really interesting. Yeah. (sighs) Well, I'm tired of saying millennial. If you have any comments about the show today, if you think that we are incendiary, please let us know. Or if you think we are just amazing (laughs) also are you a millennial or a baby boomer or something in between or forget about those gen x's Mm -hmm. or post-millennial even let us know who you are and what do you think is the defining value of your generation or characteristic Mm -hmm. yeah we look forward to hearing from you yeah so let's wrap this thing up then wrap 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 Send us your comments. You can go to languagenerdstoearth.com and under the podcast tab, go to episode 41 and give us your comments in the show notes at the bottom of the episode. You can also email us at languagenerdstoearth at gmail.com. Don't forget to send us your Lost in Translation moments via the voice recorder under the contact section on our website. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast listening app is. That way you won't miss any episodes. And go ahead and follow us on social media. We're on mostly Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. We also have YouTube. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. And make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. I do check iTunes to check your reviews. And last week we did mention that iTunes does not accept reviews of under five stars. True. Uh, We do have some reviews on there and we would love more. They really help with visibility to make sure that people can find us. Yeah. You know what else helps with visibility? Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Our next episode is going to be about traveling with diet restrictions, and we have an expert in the house. So look forward to that, episode number 42. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. We're on episode number 42. Nope. (laughs) Not yet. Don't get ahead of yourself. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, try again. Tell your friends. Tell your wife. Wife. Because they're ripping everybody out here. (laughs) No, no, we got to make it podcast friendly. Okay. Because we're... We're talking about languages and culture. (laughs) No, that's terrible. I'm going to take that out probably. Oh, but I loved it. (laughs) I like it. Because we're talking about languages and cultures and travel. (laughs) And if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, have you heard of the internet?